can hit us with the yo-yo. Duh. How can you ever start an <laughs> FYF without the yo-yo-yo? <laughs> you like that cold open? That would never be a real start of the FYF be without the yo-yo-yo. Inappropriate. Well, it would just be like a boring podcast. Did you wake up this morning and said, let's make a junkie boring podcast? <laughs> or did you make a wake up this morning and say, like, let's make the most valuable quality material? Give me that yo-yo-yo-yo-yo-yo-yo. Let's go. Massive entertainment value. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the Find Your Freedom podcast. Doug and I got some feedback from some listeners that they wanted to hear some more personal stories about Doug and I's background. So we thought we would tell you guys how we got where we are with a little bit more detail. Yeah, I think um, you might need to fill in for everyone how a guy who's worked exclusively in the hotel and hospitality industry becomes a dietary supplement guru and and, uh, operator. Yeah, it was not on my bingo card when I moved back from Turks and Caicos to start my own hotel management company, what was going to happen in the next uh, two years. Um, But I started working out at the gym with one of my buddies who had just started a dietary supplement company. And he basically was saying, Jonathan, like we have this business, it's doing pretty well online, but we don't really know like where to go from here. Uh, They didn't have a bunch of experience in in background in business marketing. Uh, So I wrote up a quick business plan for him. I said, I think there's a lot of opportunity here. Like, I think you should do this and this. And him and his partner at the time said, you know what, Jonathan, like, we don't really have any experience with that. But if you think you can do that, why don't you you come on board as a partner? And let's see if this plan actually works. So like fast forward a couple months, I'm in an office working with them. The dietary supplement comes going along. And I think this is a direct to consumer product. I see direct to consumer commercials on TV all the time. Like, let's go see how big this audience really is. How big is this market for this uh, for this product? So the business partners I was there with, they they looked at me and they almost gave me as poor of a response on doing a TV commercial as you gave me when we talked about starting the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know it's good when you get that initial. Are you? What are you smoking? Yeah, it's one of those things because I'd obviously never made a TV commercial and they never even thought about it or, you know, it wasn't even the realm of possibilities. But it was one of those things where it's just like, this is such a crazy idea. Like, maybe it might work. (laughs) And the first thing they said was, well, Jonathan, like, how are we going to make a TV commercial? I said, I don't know. So we Googled it real quick and we just found a company to make a really quick, like, let's just test the market. I think that's one, like, good lesson that a lot of entrepreneurs should have is like, let's just try it out. Like, let's just get it out there and let the market tell us, is this a good idea? Wow. So uh, trusty uh, Google comes through again. You got some, you got your hits and you did a little quick research and what happened next? Yeah. So we threw the commercial up and it immediately had like the response that you need. There's like a threshold. You like try and estimate what some KPIs are that are like, wait a second, let me stop you for a second. So you say we just threw the when we threw the commercial up. So what did what did that process look like there? You did the so, Google research, and then you yes. just threw it up. What happened? So it's like there? one of those funny things. You just kind of figure it out as you're going. It's like, all right, well, let's go get three quotes from three companies that look reputable online, and we'll choose the one that we think's the best slash most affordable, best value. We chose one, put together a quick like testimonial video with what this person specialized in DTC, like direct to consumer stuff. And he's like, here's what I think you should do. And we really just kind of relied on the supposed expert at that time to kind of give us direction 
Um, and it's just like one of those risks. You're like, like, look, this is how much we're going to put towards this. And if it doesn't work out, then we'll probably get some returns. Um, but immediately it showed enough promise not to be super profitable, but at least to say like, this is something we should pursue. And, and everyone was just kind of blown away. Like this small mom and pop dietary supplement company <laughs> making this commercial. And, <laughs> and what's crazy, you know, fast forward last year. So we're filming this in January 23. Last, last year in the fourth quarter, we were having our board meeting with me and the two partners in Vegas. And we're at dinner, we're having some drinks and I'm sitting here and the two partners are sitting here. And one of them just looks over my shoulder and just says, look at the TV, Jonathan. So this is now the TV commercial has been on TV for 10 years. I look over ESPN, boom, there's our product on the commercial. And it was such a cool, like full circle memory for me that that crazy idea was really just spawned from thinking like, all right, what are your options for marketing, right? Direct to consumer, because we, we weren't ready to go retail at that point. It's like, all right, we got magazines, we got radio, we got TV. That sounds kind of like the big, kind of like the big elephant. So like, but when you looked, when, when we looked into it, it really, you know, it sounds grandiose and like, this is crazy. But when you look into it, it's like, well, it didn't really cost that much to test out a commercial and to do all these things just to see if it was a viable option. And I think that's like what a lot of things I just had breakfast this morning with a guy who's looking at starting his own company. And it's just like a lot of these things in your head, it's like, that sounds crazy. Like, I can't believe that. But if you just, you know, kind of parse it down, like, well, what's the real risk I have here to test out this idea to see if these real huge aspirations are realistic? It really isn't that big of a deal. And I know your, your business kind of had a similar start out. You're like, well, let's try it this leg. You know, we have a business plan here, but then it ended up you know, making a right turn and then boom, you guys took off. How exactly did yeah, that well, start you, out? You think that you kind of have to do the business that relates most closely to what you've been doing in your, in your corporate job. Right. Absolutely. And, um, so that just makes the most sense, right? It's the most logical. So when I jumped in and, and started working with my business partner, uh, January of 2014. So what's that? Uh, nine years now. Our thing was he was dabbling in notes and I had um, extensive background in managing non-performing mortgage notes where we right, work with you the give borrowers. Our listeners a little bit more background who don't have a lot of experience in real estate and um, notes. Yeah. So this is a, a crazy part of the real estate space that I, I think uh, a lot of people don't know much about, which is there's this whole secondary market where the banks are packaging and bulking uh, non-performing mortgage debt and then selling them off to asset management companies and then on and on down the chain. So it starts at the bank, then moves down to the asset management company, then to smaller asset management companies like the one that my partner and I created. So the note is the mortgage. The note and mortgage come together. So the note is the promise to pay. The mortgage is the security instrument that's go. recorded on the title. All right. So you guys get together. You're like, hey, let, this is you were like, hey, this is my specialty. This is my zone right here. This is my bread and butter. This is what I've been doing. And and I know we could kill it here. You know, we're going to combine his access to capital and my on the ground skill set. And so we spent the first six months bidding on pools and getting nothing. So January, February, all the way through June. We probably put out, I don't know, a couple hundred bids and got zero. So coming into the month of July of that first year, 
uh, it had been a complete shutout for the whole entire first half of the year. So you're doing all this work, you're doing due diligence <laughs> on all these properties, and yeah. you're literally getting no returns, like no, no even progress. We're getting nowhere. And where's your and, head at right now? At this point, <laughs> are you like, oof, I don't know if this is going to work? Like, we're Well, I tried, I tried some brokering. So brokering is where you find tapes, that, mortgages that are pools of notes that are for sale, and you try to sell them, uh, uh, connect the buyer and the seller. So I thought, okay, maybe in the meantime, while we're getting this up and running, I'll just work as a broker to make some, some cash flow in the meantime. And I kind of struck out there also zero zeros on zeros on zeros. And this, I'm going to interrupt you again. This is like what the, the pieces that people don't hear, you know, when they see, you know, you at this point in your life, you know, you have some more flexibility, you have some freedom, but this is what they don't talk, what they don't hear about the grind, the work, work, work with no returns, the, you know, real frustration, the real, like the real fear of, is this going to happen? Is, you know, is, is there going to be some progress here? Am I going to be able to do what I've been working towards? And it's super scary. It's all your worst nightmares coming true. You're just like, wow, this is as hard as people say it is. Now I see why people <laughs> hold on so tightly to their secure and stable uh, office jobs. So anyway, so fast forward, now we're in month seven, we finally close on our first pool of assets and it was six tiny second mortgages. And when that closed, it was this, in hindsight is the smallest, you know, trade that we've probably ever done since we're starting the partnership, but it was, it felt like, um, felt like I finally had a breakthrough. And what's interesting about that too is that was just an acquisition. So that's not even making money. That's not any income coming into the business. That's the, the very beginning of the beginning where you board these assets, you bring them in. So now you have something to actually work, but now you still got to go and collect and, and generate some income and some revenues and some income. Right. <laughs> so, um, so we got that trade done the following month, we got a second trade done. And so now it started to feel like we're picking up some steam and, at this time, we're still doing the note space. So I have these, these assets now that I'm managing in my portfolio and it feels a lot like it did at my job, except now I'm working from home and on my own schedule and managing myself, which was, which was nice, but still no income. And so I would say within two or three months after that, we met up with our third partner and then that's when the, the million dollar business was born. Uh, the three of us sat down together, left as partners, which we'll talk about on, on later episodes. But um, that's when we really discovered this business model of rent to own, where now we're buying the vacant assets and then we're creating and setting up an opportunity for lower income, lower credit families to come in and own a home and change their entire future. Yeah, I love that because like for me, it was kind of like an in-house uh, brainstorming moment that we had about trying the commercial. And for you, you guys were still networking. You were still like figuring out the business and you were still open to being like talking to different people. Like what else is out there? What aren't we doing yet? What are the opportunities? And boom, you had this like life changing moment where you met up with someone who, who, who you'd already known and worked with for I think over a year. And, and you're like, wait a minute, this fits right in with what we're doing. And then all of a sudden your business, you know, did a little pivot and you guys were, like off to the races. So what did it look like right after that pivot? That's the perfect word. It was a pivot. You know, we 
we were doing okay. We were starting to see a little bit of success in the lane that we thought we were going to be in. Then we pivot and it was like a rocket ship. We, in just the fourth quarter of that year, we acquired 14 homes. And um, after doing those first 14, which we funded with our own money between the three of us, we felt like we had demonstrated that the business model was working. And then now we were able to go to the, the huge network of investors that were behind my one of my two partners, and we were really able to take the thing to the next level. So 14 assets in that Q4 went on to do probably 50 acquisitions in the following year. And then this past year, just to put it all in perspective, we acquired 114 homes in the 2022 year, just in one year. That's incredible. Yeah, I love the trajectory of that. It's such a such a cool thing from the like standard entrepreneurial grind that really is what people have the, you know, what that's what people fear when they leave their jobs. You know, these people we talk to and it's just like, yeah, like it's so scary. I have a salary and you're just like, yeah, I'm making a good, I'm making a good salary. And like the guy I was talking to this morning, it's just like, but to have the salary, but you know that the equity and the profits are all going to someone else. You know, it's nice to have your, to have your salary, but there's some people that's like, no, I want my piece of that. And I love, I, you know, I love working for someone and, you know, but once you feel like you have the skill set, man, I really want that chunk. I want that equity. I want it to be my business and I want to work for myself. You don't want to spend, spend your life building someone else's dreams. You want to spend your time and paying for someone else's dreams, (laughs) spend your life (laughs) building your own dream. And yeah, is there a lot of pain on the way to getting there? Absolutely. Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, once you, once you start to break through and see that you're getting a little bit of traction and you remain open to maybe having a little pivot, if there's a better way to go about it, uh, you know, you break through and then, and then you never look back. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah. and there's still, even once you kind of make it, you know, there's still a lot of, there's still bumps along the way, but once you've kind of weathered the initial bumps during that six, 12, 18 months, and you start to see some consistent income coming in to your business, then it makes the the bumps that will come later down the road much easier to, to uh, deal with and overcome. Yeah. Yeah. One other story, I guess, um, real quick that I want to tell is kind of a failure store for me. Um, so once uh, our, our business was up and going, um, we would do these entrepreneur retreats where we got like a weekend with some of our friends. We'd go to a cabin somewhere. We just like brainstorm ideas. So one idea we had was this uh, um, fintech startup that was for investing your money and sharing kind of the success of that with uh, your social network. And um, so we thought it was a good idea. Um, the people or programmers that we were um, on the retreat with, they came back and they immediately started working on it. And the idea got to one of the VCs that was a friend of theirs. We got VC funded after a few months and we were grinding on the idea and it just wasn't taking on. The market was telling us that it was a good idea, but there wasn't enough trajectory for it to make sense for the VC funding to keep coming in. And it was so like such a, like a great learning experience for me to go through that process of getting the VC funding, working on the concept and like, what's our pivots? Like, how are we going to be able to get more users? We need more active users. Um, And it was such a cool experience. But then at the end of the day, it didn't take off. And for me, that failure, I learned so much from that I was able to utilize that skill, that experience for for the future businesses that we started on when to cut bait and what mistakes we made 
and where we should have gone with the with the business instead of the direction that we did go. You know, it, in retrospect, there's so many things that we feel like, man, it just really stinks that we weren't able to make that work because we tried so hard for so long. At the end of the day, we got nothing out of it. You know, we really um, except the lessons. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which are which are valuable, but it's really it's really a painful thing um, that I still think about pretty regularly. So, so I think that you know those are the other side of it that that are important for people to take into account as they're trying to manage that risk that they do go out on their own business and you know trying what we just talked about you have to like you know we we've talked about the age at which it's you know it works to try and you know go out on your own and when you're younger with less responsibility that there is less you know real risk when you don't have a family or a mortgage and things like that but as you as you get older there is ways of doing it as a side hustle to test the the give you like proof in the pudding let the market tell you like yeah you can do this and then you're able to take less risk and go off on your own. So I think those are all things that we hope to tell more themes as we interview other entrepreneurs. You know, these are people who have done the things that we that we tell stories about. And they, they came out and all of their, you know, struggles and lessons, they're going to share with you. And they're going to hopefully help you, give you the courage to do the things that you want to do, lessons, roadmaps, and give you the resources to have the confidence and the courage to take the step when you're ready to go out on your own. Yes, hopefully they can make the the imp- impossible look more possible uh, by you know giving everyone a peek behind the curtain of what happens along the way. So we're excited to continue having these amazing conversations with extraordinary entrepreneurs and letting them help make your journeys a little bit easier. Absolutely. If you enjoy the Find Your Freedom podcast, the best way to support us is to click like, hit that subscribe button so every time we come out with a new episode, it gets uploaded to you. Share and write us a review. We appreciate you helping spread the word of the Find Your Freedom podcast.